Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Jason from Frozen and Carbonate, and I'm joined this week by Mike Munzenreiter and Patrick Cagando to talk about skate park design, what works, what doesn't, what people are down on, and what people are psyched on. But first, it's time for a little pick-me-up. This week, the Monster Energy Drink Company dropped the first episode of a video series. A serial? What do you call it when there's like a video series, like on Thrasher or something? Serial works. Yeah, serial. Serial. Like a 1940s radio serial or some shit. Anyway, this video serial documents the Monster Skate Team's summer European tour. Patrick, energy drinks have been connected to skating for at least a decade and a half or so. Is their involvement good, bad, or is it more nuanced than that? Hmm. That's a great that's a great question, Jason. Soft drinks have been part of skateboarding since day one. I mean, didn't both Pepsi and Coke have teams in the 1970s and 80s? They were always coveted sponsorships because, my God, Americans love soft drinks. And, hey, they got big checks, you know. They have really, really big checks, and they come through consistently. In fact, long before Nike or Adidas made their grand re-entries or their formal entries into the skate game at the turn of the 20th century, you know, late 1990s, um, soft drinks were there. Energy drinks were there. And I know that there's some debate about it, but I would flip that, flip those questions on the head and say this. There are... There is a credible history of the use of sweatshop labor to make sneakers. And that doesn't just affect Nike and Adidas. It's, it's all sneaker maker. Whereas I don't think that there's the same, you can, you know, make the same accusations towards an energy drink. Now, granted, we could have a huge debate about health and sugar and obesity, diabetes in America. But, you know, at least they weren't putting kids to work. I mean, <laughs> or am I just rationalizing? Mike, what do you think about, A, what do you think about, energy drinks being in skateboarding and be like monsters stepping it up and be like, hey, he's a series. Like Red Bull's been doing this. Red Bull has a whole ass channel. So I think that the regional bottling slash canning like industry model kind of does away with that sweatshop labor questions. That that is that is a good point. Yeah, I mean back in the day, I definitely had some PepsiCo skate gear and or was aware of their skateboard presence. So it's not like like you said, Patrick, it's not like this is a new thing. I do think it was cheesy probably to ride for XYZ energy drink company. And some are more cringeworthy than others, though that cheesiness of like, you know, I think the heavy presence, like you said, Jason came about like 15 years ago, that cheesiness is really worn off. And I see it as a way for like people in the middle or maybe people that don't have that shoe sponsor juice or whatever to actually make some money and have a career within skateboarding in a way that, you know, it's a more solid sponsor than, than a board company, probably. Like you could probably be, you know, if you had to choose one, you're probably looking for that energy drink check over oh. a board sponsor because it's going to be bigger. So I think there's there's definitely a place for such companies. Whatever stigma there was, it's kind of worn off. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think at this point, Everyone kind of knows that it's just for the money. You know, if they're going to give you like um, whatever high four figure, low five figure check every month, and, you know, I'm pretty sure the most, you know, hardcore street skaters like understand that shit. You know what I mean? Because like who's on Monster? Like I shot, he's like unfuckwittable. Um, Nija, well, yeah, Nija, everyone kind of agrees that he's like one of the best or whatever. Mark Zaprazny, or however you say his name. Like, if they can support him in his, like, you know, genius ledge work or whatever, then, you know, what are you going to do? 
you know, it's a chat. But full disclosure, uh, during work, like I'm off for the summer now, but when I'm working, I'll drink at least one monster a day or any, any energy drink. Like it's kind of my hobby to try out all the new ones and shit. Like they're good. Like if you wake up and it's, you're too late to make coffee so you can just like pound one real quick or if it's like 2.30, you're dragging, you still got shit to do, pound one real quick. Like there's nothing wrong with it, you know? I don't think there's any judgment call to be made against you. I mean, goodness, yeah. teaching is a stressful job. I probably, <laughs> I probably be doubling up on them. Right there's close. no, uh, you, you, you can't smoke cigs in the teachers' lounge anymore. <laughs> you you got to do something. I taught for a year. Oh my goodness, teachers smoked like chimneys. It's wild. It's amazing. But anyway, I was just thinking about all of the gear that energy drink companies make for skaters to wear and how some of it is perceived as cringe. But then I think back to tobacco company because a lot of the joe camel camel like the hard pack uh marlboro man marlboro coolers marlboro jackets like that stuff is now seen as quite cool and catches uh, a decent price on the secondhand vintage whatever thrift market and so what if in 20 years time people are going to be looking for a, a monster five panel oh of know. course yeah at 100 percent like on on the vintage market in like 2052 or whatever yeah, like 100%, no doubt. Yeah, but you know, back to the, the tobacco companies, then we have to ask a big question. Now, granted, since the big tobacco lawsuit that basically broke up the supremacy of the, you know, the tobacco industry and led to a significant decline in people smoking, a big way that tobacco companies reeled people in was merchandising. And God, they had some cool merch. It cringes me to say it. And I am a non-smoker. I do not smoke cigarettes. And... Never picked it up, but dog, I saw this Benson and Hedges hat once. It was black with a um, a suede bill, and it had the Benson. You know, the logos were amazing, and so that's the, the the thing that's kind of sad too. Is that what happens if a company that makes something so that's so bad for you comes up with a cool design? You know, there's like there's some decent Red Bull stuff out there. I'm sure I've never looked for it, but you know, I guess the skaters must be asking like, please give me a Red Bull hat that doesn't look like. Uh, Hey, I'm skating for Red Bull. Well, well, yeah, that's that's a thing. Like, I guess the, to get the check, however big it is, you gotta wear a hat. Or Mark's a president. I, I just watched his part or rewatched his part in Premier View. Like, most of the time, he has like a five panel with a really subtle monster logo on the back or whatever, you know, on the side, and you just got like a sticker on your board or whatever. But yeah, the the Red Bull hats, those are those are pretty noticeable, I think. Like, but Zared Zared was on that wave. But yeah, like I said, if, if like they can support someone like Zared and, you know, keep him like riding that wave, you know, the, he's basically a skateboarding genius doing his thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like what the fuck, you know? So then yeah, um... I'm trying to remember if like I actually saw a clip on the Explore page or whatever on Instagram of a guy in a Marlboro jacket. Oh, yeah. Those are dope. Like the red Marlboro jackets or whatever. Yeah, red, red and white. I'm yeah, what do you call them? Like Marlboro, like Marlboro, like Adventure Series or something. I forgot what they're called. Well, and, and okay, so this is this is maybe very niche, but like late '90s, you know, like me and the crew didn't smoke, comma yet. We all picked up that nasty habit pretty quick, and then we've all quit to varying degrees. Did any of y'all like collect the Camel Cash just to get the Camel merch? Do you no. Have any of this? That like, was no. You that could was, pick it up off like discarded boxes. Yeah, that was, was that was my brand for a while, but I never was organized enough to like save up the camel cash and, and uh, trade it in for merch. 
Yeah, I, I never got into it, but some of my buddies would have like freezer bags full of the little plastic things and then they'd send it in and uh, get a cooler, get like an umbrella or something crazy. I do think the energy drinks with like the gear that they're giving to their riders could do better of making it like less obnoxious. But then again, you're kind of you're you're wed to that logo and you're wed to that look and you actually want people to know exactly what they're looking at. So if like Red Bull makes a better looking hat, maybe we don't know it's a Red Bull hat. And maybe that's like my goal for it, but not Red Bulls. Interesting point. It's basically like the 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 brand's, you know, the brand's visual aesthetic has to be extreme for right. people to notice it. Because otherwise you just think, oh, it's just another cool five panel. Big deal. You know, back to your point about the camel points, Marlboro points, uh, my wife's late grandmother uh, used to collect them and was really big into that. Also, I just noticed um, Evan Tooley. Um, I can't remember his handle on Skate Twitter, but Colorado homie who's based in New York now has a Marlboro cooler for sale on his Depop store. So you should probably cop that if you're interested in that kind of thing. But here's the question, though. Some skaters uh, who are about our age and older, like the 40 plus crowd, feels weird to say it, but it's true, feel some type of way. They, They don't like energy drinks. I've definitely read interviews with people who say, I don't want that stuff in my body. I don't want it in my kid's body. Uh, I'm not a fan of energy drinks. I would never want to be sponsored by a company that makes that. But especially for the younger folks who didn't get to enjoy the feast that was the early 2000s, they don't have they don't have or are unwilling to make uh, that type of restriction on who their sponsors are. Is there is there a sponsor or is there an industry that if they came into skateboarding and were waving big money around? We've joked about this before, but is there any industry where you'd have to say, no, I'm sorry, I can't take that check, if you are a pro skater, where it would just be wrong? Like, for example, makes no sense, but, like, what if tobacco got into skating? Damn, yeah, Drake, like, like, do you mean, like, like dip? I mean, or... sure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> can you imagine your box, you get, like, 20 cartons of Marlboro Reds? Shit, think of the, the trunk sales for those, man. Yo, like, well, tech it, um, sales ain't that that ain't even a thing anymore. No one cares <laughs> about selling boards. Isn't iShod sponsored by Pacifico, like that beer? Yep, yes he is. I yeah, mean, like Yeah, they've been throwing a ton of money around lately. Yeah, I mean we've been like flirting with like PB PBR sponsored events like, you know, since the beginning of time and shit, like definitely here enriching with the lost bowl and shit you know which is tight but yeah a few people already have like beer sponsorships or whatever i don't know i mean do you have be... weed sponsors and oh yeah we yeah, yeah weed, weed sponsors nuts. for sure that's like yeah that, that's like uh that, part for the course that's been a thing but that i mean especially in california that's non-controversial if, any, if anything that's a smart business move. you know I, i'm sure that there's probably a lot of you know there's definitely a strong ethical discussion about having a a beer or spirits sponsor, but then, you know, we're all responsible adults, but we're not the target market for skateboarding. It's still younger people. And that's where it kind of, especially on Instagram, which is a far less regulated space, even though, you know, things have to be, you know, when they're advertised, it has to be specified as a sponsored post. Um, It's a little bit more Wild West than, say, television or even if just like watching YouTube. And so that's where I think it can get into some murky waters. But um, I don't know. I mean, like I'm thinking about like, I imagine, I guess I would feel weird if I saw some skater in like a Smirnoff Ice or an Absolute Vodka ad. Yeah, I mean, when you watch basketball or pretty much any sport, you know, 
there's lots of ads for like Hennessy, like Grey Goose or whatever. But like you said, I don't think that's the right demo for skating, you know? So that I, I doubt that would occur, but what would really like yeah. I mean I don't, I don't know. P Rod was on Target, you know what I mean? You always had that Target sticker on his board. Yo, but Target's useful, man. That's a that's not just a check. That's yeah, that's yeah. I, I I remember when that happened, everyone was like, dude, that's so tight. You can get like fucking blinds, groceries, <laughs> like a like a Dyson or whatever, you know. Yo, I'd be yo, I'd be cleaning up, no pun intended. Are you a Target sponsor? A Walmart sponsor? I mean, goodness. Well, <laughs> you know? yeah, I think I think at this point, everyone's kind of like, you know, no one's going to be like, that's kooky or whatever. Or I can't really think of anything off the top of my head where people be like, dude, that's too much or whatever. You know what I mean? If, I think at this point, everyone knows that like semi kooky sponsors are just like a check or wearing the hat, put a sticker board or whatever. You know, that's it. But back back to this video, by the way, um, one thing that would help energy drink people is if they made better content. Like this video is like super corny. Like corny, corny, because I don't know, we, we have uh, certainly all seen some very bad videos. Is it the style of editing? Is it, uh, you know, full disclosure, I haven't watched it yet. My goodness, this has been the week from hell. But I don't know. I mean, like, what if that's their visual aesthetic? You know, what if they want something that feels extreme, you know? And I'm using that in, like, the, the energy drink sense. Yeah, I think, well, first of all, one thing that was kind of cool about it was, like, the demos that they did in uh, Bristol. You know, that place, like, Bristol EMB or whatever, whatever they call it. Yep. It was those white ledges. There was literally like, I would say like 800 to 1,000 people there at the demo. Like that whole arena or whatever was completely filled with people. Like it was uh, surreal. Same thing with the demo they did in Berlin. Like so many people. But yeah, I think the main thing was the music. Like the music that was in it was something like, it was a song that would be like, a, like an an example song that would be like in garage band, you know, or something like that. Just here's an example of like, you know, rock song number five, two, two or something, you know? Oh God. It was, it was like super generic, um, you know, rights, rights free music type shit. See, but there's decent stuff in rights free. I think this further proves my point that, uh, there's a lot of people with terrible taste who have no business doing music supervision for skate video. And that's infuriating, like a little bit of work you can find something that sounds cool or find a band that is struggling and just, they need a little something. They need something in a video. But anyway, b besides the point, um, thinking about thinking about energy drinks, another big thing that they've done, you know, thinking about demos and contests is that they've sponsored tours. They sponsored contests. And, you know, a big conversation that when we were all teenagers was the idea of selling out, don't sell out. And it's weird thinking about that conversation happening in the 1990s where it was all but normalized that big concert tours were sponsored by a soft drink or an alcoholic beverage, you know, such and such uh, Michelob presents or Molson Golden presents, you know, and yet there was still a lot of debate about selling out, at least, you know, for folks who are deciding to make a move to major labels. I mean, is everything for sale? Is, is, is there even a point having a, a discussion about the ethics or the morals of uh, getting down with a certain type of brand or company? Yeah, Chuck Kloss, Chuck Klosterman uh, talks about that whole selling out thing in his book, uh, new book, The 90s, which I highly recommend. He's like, you know, that whole mentality was like, if you're popular on purpose, then you're bad, like you're cut. You know what I mean? Like, get the fuck out if you're trying to be popular on purpose. Yep. Great book, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was so tight. Big fan. And now, like, 
you know, publications like Pitchfork or whatever that are supposedly like all even if that's even a term anymore, like alternative or whatever the fuck, they're all like they're all about like oh like Beyonce and like Taylor Swift or whatever, you know. I Where in the past, you in the past would be like oh you know like fuck that shit. I mean anything that popular is just like we would just be like oh that's just like that's so corny. That's like mass marketed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the one of the one of the key thing about Pitchfork, Pitchfork's problem has always been that um, they were never able to find a way to strike the balance between poptimism and having a, a healthy skepticism uh, of anything mainstream. And now, basically, I, what is it? Uh, that great Beastie Boys line? Life is like a big commercial. Acting like life is a yeah, big commercial. Yeah, yeah life is a big commercial. I mean, that's basically it. And unfortunately, that, that's been the way that music journalism has always worked. It, it's always been access. You know, the fact that they no longer produce the scorched earth takes that they once did shows that they haven't just sold out. They are the established. But back to, you know, back to, you know, to skateboarding. Skating is in this kind of very weird place in which it is more mainstream than it's ever, ever, ever been. And yet you still have these strong undercurrents of being a very independent in some cases even contrarian subculture um and i'm gonna i'm wondering how much longer that can that last when everybody is down for a monster energy check you know or red bull check i don't think it's necessary i I view it as it's a means to an end i mean this is unfortunately you know that is the way the world works people got bills to pay it's more expensive than ever to live in most major cities in america never mind in california you know where a huge chunk of the global skate industry is still centered in. So you get it how you live. Like a lot of folks are having to do that. I mean, I don't know, but I will say this though, you know, there's some beverages. I wonder like, how come they're not in the skate game? You know, like how come like, uh, how come like did vitamin water ever do anything with skating or not really? Like maybe they sponsored some content. Don't don't think so. Yeah. They, they, they had 50. I don't think so. Ask, ask 50. They could have been cool. Like vitamin water actually, like vitamin water when 50, you know, when 50 first came on the scene and got them popping. I think vitamin water could have had a very cool team and a very cool vibe. It would have been like the beverage version of uh, ice cream, you know, people getting paid a lot of money and nobody really knows why, but nobody's asking questions. Yeah, I don't know. Everyone, uh, yeah, everyone likes to drink tasty beverages. I mean, there's no denying it. Like maybe like come some like kombucha brand or something oh that would that would probably do numbers on uh That's, that shit's pretty good yeah kombucha's tight yeah like a like a and then maybe like a hard kombucha for certain people I, I don't know like i can see with with soft drinks okay at least you can kind of be like hey you know it's an energy drink whatever whatever it helps but i could definitely see in the wrong hands um having a beer or spirit sponsor could be not just like a disaster but uh really destructive for everybody involved um yeah maybe i Imagine mean like you get, you get your box it's like okay like ten, five handles of vodka or something <laughs> it's like yo it's an unboxing yeah what's up yeah you know smearing off we got it popping check it out we got all the different flavors this is ill actually if we're talking about like a beverage sponsor that you know would be like the move would be lvmh like a box with just Moe and Hennessy, my God! <laughs> oh yeah, the mo- yeah that that could be that could be, be a problem. I guess that would be yeah that would again that would it would be chaotic. But I don't know. Like, is there even a forum in skateboarding outside of podcasting to have these kinds of discussions about like what does this mean? You know, Rockstar, uh, Monster, Red Bull, Slap. I guess 
the whole slap for him. <laughs> I can definitely see slap could definitely take this conversation into some wild places. Yeah, I mean, I doubt. I, there's no doubt that it's been discussed there before. <laughs> Probably, but like we but, all. But, oh, go on, please. But I actually speaking of, I think I read either read on there or somewhere else that um, that Des Buzanitz like they offered him monster, but he didn't want to do it just because he's not down with you know drinking that shit or whatever. So I think there are people who you know will take a philosophical stand in the industry still. Mm-hmm. I remember Kalis saying at one point that he was not particularly interested in it uh, for yeah. those exact same reasons. But I don't know. Is there like, okay, Jason, you are not only our resident world kid, you are also a connoisseur of energy drinks. Like what's the worst of the worst? I'm talking like sub jolt cola. Oh, um, all right. There's like some Walmart, like Walmart brand ones that I've never even tried. Um, C4, I think I've only tried them once. Like that one, like rain with like the knight's face on it, like a dark star logo or something. That one's kind of corny. I've never tried that one. There's a bunch. The best are probably like the sugar free monsters or like the uh, the G Fuel like cans. Those are pretty good. Those like A Shock ones that like, um, who are those guys? Yeah, P Rod mm-hmm. and um, that other guy that's on Toy Machine. Fuck, which one? Dan Deshaun. Deshaun Jordan, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Deshaun Jordan, the day right for. Nice. That one. That one's all right. Uh, just as a quick note to listeners, uh, Mike had to dip out to take care of some things around home. Everything is cool. So for the rest of the episode, it's just going to be Jason and I geeking out about Monster Energy and, I guess, skate parks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, let's think. Anything else? Actually, um, I'm trying to think. Worse than Jolt? I don't know. Probably some off-brand thing that you find in like... Uh... Jolt. What was that one? Oh, remember that one from the 90s, Surge? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that, that was, was tight. You know what? Like, it was, uh, for what they were, like, was it five-hour energy drink? Uh, oh, yeah, five-hour energy drink got a drink coming out with bronze tomorrow, right? Oh, for, oh, for real? Like a real collab? I don't know if it's a real collab, but if it is, like, five-hour energy drink uh, was a lifesaver in grad school, like, late nights writing paper, like, which was always difficult because i went to school i worked during the day and i went to school at night and so i needed you know i needed to be able to focus when i got home to write papers and also i was at the time i was also doing some freelance writing as well so in that aspect i can't you know i don't really hate on energy drinks because they do serve a purpose and they 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 work well and they're readily available you know you just dip down to the corner store boom they got a huge selection yeah, but you know what? I've never tried the five-hour energies just because, I don't know, I thought it was stupid or something. Yeah, it, it, it is a little bit silly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, they, like uh, for long road trips, they're okay. Although, one thing that really helps for long road trips for me is uh, Eddie Murphy, old Eddie Murphy and old Richard Pryor. Because when you're laughing that hard, you definitely can't fall asleep. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, comedy or, like, Howard Stern. Definitely good to listen to. But, um, yeah, just to wrap up this energy drink thing yeah maybe if monster made some cool jackets like those uh marble jackets it gains more traction or whatever like some you know technical technical outerwear or whatever oh yeah absolutely like yeah. a monster kind of like a monster tracksuit would <laughs> with like a nice like if you put the monster logo like on the breast pocket area and then like one like right on the thigh kind of like uh, how adidas does yeah and it was the right colorway that shit could be badass. Like that could actually look really, really yeah. good. Like maybe partner with partner with an existing tracksuit maker, you know, like Sergio Tacchini or Adidas. Sergio Yeah, I mean, that won't be too bad, but 
I'll tell you what, I'll probably watch the rest of this uh, video serial just because it's Europe and like I'm like the big Eurotech guy or whatever. Hell yeah. And I would leave, I would also add this. One thing that energy drink companies do, Red Bull and Monster in particular, is they put out a lot of content. Um, I can only hope that they pay people and pay people on time, but that's a whole other conversation. We could probably start a protection racket for uh, skate filmers who are trying to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, where's my money, man? <laughs> but um, they do put out a lot of content. I mean, Red Bull, Red Bull took Mater's apps to Uganda, and they interviewed a bunch of the. Oh, kids they and, did that. Oh, that's tight to that and, the, to that park over there. Exactly the one. Oh, in, yeah, uh, in uh, Mukono, which is uh, the edge of, of Kampala, the capital. That's huge. Like they did like a whole day in the life thing. They met everybody. They went. They they built a bunch of obstacles for the park. They took them around. Like. That's the thing that energy drink companies do well. And uh, for that, like, salute to them. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, not just, it's not just content, but, like, they're doing it routine. So it's like you're never waiting. Um, maybe the music could be better. Maybe some of the editing could be better, whatever. But that, that's taste. But, you know, if skateboarding is all about videos, they do that, right? Yep. And speaking of skate parks... Also this week, friend of the pod, Ryan Lay, and his Skate After School Foundation opened a low, low, low impact skate plaza in the Phoenix area. According to their Twitter bio, Skate After School is a, quote, nonprofit providing crucial after school programming to underserved youth in Phoenix, end quote. The park's minimalist design, featuring a few low impact ledges, curves, spines, etc., spread around a large open space generated an overwhelmingly positive response patrick what's your take on this style of park design and what are the criteria for a good park in the first place hmm. uh i love this park i like the fact that it's low impact it's good for kids it's good for older folks it's good for people who want to warm up a park with less tends to serve a lot more people a park with the kind of obstacles that they have put in this place my goodness like it, it's perfect and it's i think at some point it would be ideal if we could get a whole bunch of these skate urban planners, and there are a lot of them. Get them on the show and just get them talking about what the process is like. Because, you know, goodness, I'm married to an urban planner, but I cannot, for the life of me, understand why cities make it a point to bring, you know, they build these huge snake runs when all we want is just like a curb, some low ledges, a bench, maybe like a, a banked wall, and I don't know, something, you know, like a, like a pair of humps. Uh, yeah. but that's, that's a whole other conversation. And with regards to what makes a what makes a good park, I, shade is a big one, um, especially in places where it gets really really hot, like places like Phoenix, for example. Space and a good flow, uh, so that it's logical how you get from one part of the park to another, and also dedicated cool out slash chill out rooms, so that you don't have people sitting on ledges. I don't know. Um, what do you look for in a skate park, Jason? And I know Templeton hates parks, so it's probably a good thing that he's not here. Just like straight fucking ledges, baby. So all you need is like that that park in Barcelona, the one with it's just got a oh, couple yeah. ledges. Yeah, that, yeah, that one, that one looks that place looks perfect. Yeah, just a couple ledges, maybe like mellow quarter pipe, like a bank. You know what I mean? Like a flat bank. That that's pretty much it. Like the park over in Charlottesville out here, like is really tight because it has like has like a little ledge area with some flat or whatever and a hit. Then there's the whole other area with like the um kind of like goes like a downhill type of thing into a bowl. And like the other bowls, like the bowl bowls are like 
a hundred feet away or whatever. So they don't try to, they don't try to like mush the whole thing together. You know what I mean? So that, that park is real tight. Pretty sure Kent and Russell designed it, but yeah, this little park is tight. I mean, it's almost like a setup you would see like an abandoned tennis court. You know what I mean? Like over here in Richmond, like pretty much every abandoned tennis court has had some kind of like set up with boxes and shit like it sometimes. So it was almost like something like that, but it's official, you know, with a little more space. Mm -hmm. Oh so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that would definitely be fun. You know, I say this time and again, like, it'd be better to have something like that than like a, uh, whatchamacallit, like a three-quarter vert, you know I mean, three-quarters over vert bowl that like only four people in the whole state can fucking skate and have fun on. Oh, yeah, and that's that's yeah. been that's been the drawback. That's been the drawback of the skate park explosion over the last 20 years. I think it was in California where the state's liability laws were amended so that you could start building more skate parks and more, a more, uh, excuse me, a wider variety of athletic facilities. And again, like I said, like the unfortunate drawback is you, you get some parks with stuff that you just wonder, like, who would, who wants to skate this? Right. And what's been really interesting though, is that there've been such, there've been some park designs, which are so terrible. They're so bad that it's good. Like there's one up in Ventura that has ended up in a couple of videos. I think it was in a frog video of, you know, I think from last year. I mean, there's some, there's like, was it Belvedere Park um, in, excuse me, not Belvedere. Belvedere in East LA is a, a wonderful skate park. Bellflower, by contrast, has a bowl that's slightly slanted. So it's not, uh, it's not quite even. And so uh, it's, uh, it can be challenging to skate, right? Um, and then the actual, the, the quote-unquote street section right next to it is awful. It's got those weird steep stairs like you see in Amsterdam. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, it's got a, a pyramid that's way too small. But the interesting thing is people know how to skate it. And in some ways, skating a bad park is as good for all-terrain training as skating skating a bad spot. Because skating bad stuff, especially on the East Coast, my goodness, like that's how you that's how you get really, really creative. If, if everything is perfect and the cement is immaculate, Ooh, you know, like you can't, you can't really get creative. But anyway, um, actually, then there, here's the other question. What about maintenance? Have you ever been to a park where you see, you know, really like just poor, you know, craftsmanship, workmanship? You see like, why was this concrete poured in such a way? Like, why was this not allowed to set? How did this big crack get here? Why is there no drainage? Like, Yeah, I um, sometimes like the drainage issue can be a thing. But like the new park here, like built by Artisan. You know, they make like hundreds of skate parks all over the place. So like it, it's super tight. I've never seen any shit like that. Same with the one in Charlottesville. So I guess it's because most of the parks out Virginia is like whatever, 30 years behind everywhere with this type of shit. So I guess most of the parks are new. So I guess we'll have to wait and see, you know, with, with the maintenance component, especially with like the winners and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then like thinking about uh, Ryan's program, Skate After School, and a lot of the nonprofits that offer services uh, to skateboarders, you know, Jason, you're a teacher. Like, what is it about skateboarding that you think is good for kids? Oh, damn. Well, first of all, you're, you know, you're not looking at a screen for uh, X amount of time. Like, I have, like, mad respect for any kid that starts skating now just because, like, there's so much other shit that has, uh, like, faster gratification, you know? Because, like, how, how long does it take to, to actually be good at skateboarding? Like, it probably takes, like, a month to six months to, like, ollie up a curb, mm -hmm. you know? not even like do a kickflip or something. So any kid that starts skating in this day and age, like I have like mad respect for it. But uh, yeah, skating, I mean, like uh, it's been said time and again, like it's not like other organized sports. There's no coach. You can kind of 
do your own thing, like figure out what you want to do. You like set your own goals and achieve them and that kind of thing. So yeah, it, it's tight, but it's definitely not instant gratification. No, I mean, it's, it's like you can spend an entire lifetime. I mean, like that's the whole yeah. point. That's why we're all still skating. It's yeah. If you just got instantly good at it, you know, what would be the point? I think looking back on it, reflecting back on high school, I think the thing I liked the most about it was, yeah, like skateboarders could be dicks, but there was no hazing like some of the stuff I heard from, say, football team or maybe the not so much basketball. Basketball was always chill. I guess football and lacrosse were always um, the, the main offenders when it, it came to hazing and just generally. Lacrosse, huh? Those guys think they're tough. Looking, look, wait, my this one, uh, this one kid at work that was on the on the baseball team, or whatever. He said the funniest fucking thing one time. He was like, "Lacrosse is for people that can't take a hit in football and can't hit a baseball or something like that." Wow, it was like it was so. I was like, "Yeah, lacrosse. That's for people that can't hit a baseball and can't take a hit in football." <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you like, said it, not dude. me. But also, like, <laughs> like the, the lacrosse guys also had like. Uh, you know, it was as, especially in the Northeast and the Mid Atlantic. Did they have uh, when you were in high school? Did they have like remember like the kids with the the, the white hats? Like we just yeah white them hats up, yeah like yeah just like, like white hats yeah everyone, yeah and they would have the name of they'd have the name like they'd like for Maryland it was Terps and then what school has the Gamecocks as their um, oh yeah South Carolina yeah and so like their hat just said Cox which yeah ha, um, yes. ah, ha, ha. The, the the teachers oh man the teachers yeah, hated yeah. that hat they the absolutely white hats. yeah. They sucked. Like basketball players were always super chill. Baseball, I think, was was hit and miss. Like baseball was always, I think, the moodiest, which I guess kind of adds up, right? Yeah, baseball, you're kind of just sitting there. You have time to reflect and whatnot. Yeah, it's like um, yeah, I guess <laughs> it's, it's it's like they were very there. You know, it's like a it baseball was a good place if you were a bit of a sad bastard in high school. You could kind of just yeah, go out yeah. there and just like just zone out, but. I think the other thing that that skateboarding does is that um, I think you like you 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 I think you learn a lot of really important social skills in skateboarding. You learn a lot of cues. You learn how to uh, to read body language. Um, oh, you, you shit like skateboarding is a great place to learn conflict resolution because we've all had to talk our way out of something. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Like yeah, just like the whole etiquette of like skating a ledge. You know what I mean? If someone's going, you know, being able to figure out if they're going mm-hmm. or they're not going and shit like that. You know, but um, yeah, back to parks, I would just say like, yeah, lots of space to push around, you know, the mellow quarter pipes and banks and shit, straight ledges. Like another good park around here is the one in Apex, North Carolina, which is like the Raleigh area. Like it has all these like brick, well, I think they are brick, like banks that are really mellow for doing shit on. And there's like a lot of space, ledges, and it's it's not the usual like back and forth type design that you see like you know what i mean like there's like a bowl and like one area of the park goes like down and up and there's like a ledge around the middle so it's kind of just like the only way to skate it is very much just going like back and forth in two two directions so that makes it hard for more than like three people to skate at a time because you don't want to crash into people yeah i i think that's another thing that um park designers maybe not park designers or maybe just in terms of execution that's something that a lot of people just get wrong is having enough space to push and also flat because something that a lot of people like especially you know there's a lot of people there's more people skating and there's a lot of people who are learning how to skate so you need you need space to push around you need you know you need space to be able to kind of explore and get and get comfortable and also just to warm up 
actually, then here's another question. There's a new park down in, I think it's uh, Gardena, or as the Beastie Boys called it, Gardenia. And there's no parking at it. It is a part of a big municipal park where on weekends you have both soccer and baseball leagues for all ages. So you could get there at, say, 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning and it's completely packed and there's no street parking and it's on a very, very busy area and residential. Like, there's no good residential parking oh, yeah. either. Oh, you, you can take the famous L.A. Uh, public transportation system. <laughs> Goodness, like... <laughs> where, where, where's, where's Gardena, like... Is it like uh, in relation to like, I don't know, West Hollywood or Santa Monica or whatever? It is, um, it is due south from, say, West Hollywood. It is to the southeast. And it's in the South, uh, south Bay or South Gate. Oh, right, right, right. So it's basically it's day one country. It's like. Um, oh, you say no more. Yeah. Exactly. So <laughs> it is, it's nowhere near central LA. I mean, even in good traffic, it's taking you at least, you know, 35, 40 minutes to get down there. And, like, that's another thing, too. Like, uh, a skate park has to be, like, I think we touched upon this a little bit. Like, a park has to be accessible, right? And maybe not accessible in the, the, the sense of uh, people who are handicapped or differently abled, but that you are able to get to that space without having to climb a huge amount of stairs or hop a fence or go all the yeah. way around or whatever. And, I, and also, that park is, that new park is, is kind of awful. There's a bunch of obstacles it's like a, it's a skate park example of the bridge to nowhere. Like, who built this, you know? The bridge. Like, no. what do you mean? Is it like, the design, like, it doesn't flow or? It doesn't flow. Like, there is a, there's a, there's a bank that ends abruptly. There was a, it looked like some of the concrete had not settled correctly. I mean, another, another park in, in greater LA area is in South Pasadena. Uh, I believe it's called La Pintoresca. And it used to have a pretty crappy, it was built up on top of, a, I think, a former tennis court or basketball court, because it's huge basketball courts right next. And its saving grace was that it had a huge, very wide, chill, I think, four or five foot mini ramp. Ideal for learning. Um, oh, yeah. And could fit loads and loads of people. They replaced it with one of those yellow-edged parks again. Oh, yeah. What is, what is that stuff? Like, I always see that in parks. Is it, like, coping or, like, what? What, no, I, like think, I, think, I think it's just their design. It's their, it's their design flourish to show that uh, X company designed this park. Oh. And shame on me for not knowing their name, but it's probably a good thing that they're not getting put on blast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's an example to me of a park that, why would you do this? Because that all you needed to do was maybe refresh a couple of those ramps, replace some of the ledges, and do, put a little thought into what goes where, and it would be a perfect park. Because that black mini ramp was a great learner mini ramp. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, a, like a, you know, again, low but very wide. Not like a, like a two, three foot, but, you know, enough that, uh, you know, you're actually skating some proper transition there. And it's gone. I mean, goodness, they could have uh, just left a basketball court and, and did an experiment and said, hey, what, what the hell's going to happen? But yeah. I think that goes back to the whole getting involved with public comment. But my, my goodness, I mean... You know, I mean, like, goodness, like, look at dog parks, right? There's lots of different types of dog parks. There's no debate about that. And most importantly, like, a dog park is usually in the neighborhood. You need skate parks like that. You need small, accessible skate parks that are easy to get to in yeah. the neighborhood. I mean, like, that was a thing, right? Like, uh, in skate park design, just building, like, little skate spots, like, throughout the city. You know what I mean? Kind of like they do in Copenhagen, I guess. Or they you just let I mean? them like, chill. They let them run. Yeah. yeah, like a little ledge here and there. You know what I mean? Oh, but um, you just reminded me of probably one of the greatest mini mini parks of uh, 
of all skateboarding. I think it's Benicia, the one that used to be up in the Bay Area. Oh it's, yeah, with the hip that everyone's skating, like the blind video and shit. Exactly, like um, or like uh, Julian Stranger over there. Yeah. Well, um, Pat Duffy and Secondhand Smoke. Every you know, you could just build parks like that. And I think what's infuriating, and it is frustrating because you know, skate park design requires public comment. It requires votes. It requires a, a lot of engagement in the political process. And yet, why is it so difficult to just roll up and say, I want a joint that looks like this. It will cost you nothing. You can build it. It's the size of a, a basketball court. Instead of Yeah, yeah. This, this, this is the part that I don't know about. And the, I guess the part about skate parks that I really don't care about. Just like dealing with like city governments and shit. Like, don't, don't do a meeting. Like, you know here's my idea, like, going to city council meetings and shit, like, I'd rather just go out and skate, you know? But I guess that's, if, if you want to park, I guess that's the game you want to play. But, exactly. Uh, gets in, yeah, it's a, gets in the whole, like, political thing. But um, you made a good point earlier about park design not really, like, taking into account, you know, beginners or people that are learning how to skate. Like, the, the park here, first of all, there's an amazing new park here in Richmond, psyched on it like it's insane that we actually like got a park in my lifetime with lights nonetheless but like it would be pretty intimidating for like just a kid learning how to skate to just you know go out there and try to like do a 50 50 or something you know and there's people like flying back and forth like going over the hit and whatnot you know oh yeah absolutely that would be that that would be like you know that would be mind-blowing but you can always just like go in the morning when no one's there or whatnot but you know you know what i mean Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, you just mentioned another thing that's uh, a key component for any any decent skate park. You need, straight up, like, you need lights. You need lights yeah. for the time change. You need lights for the evening skaters. Um, there's a new park called La Puente that's over by City of Industry. This is way out further east in the county in the San Gabriel Valley. That park has, you know, in our one of my skate group chats, they call them, everyone's like, oh, they, that's the park with the Dodger Stadium lights. Because it's got big, huge flood lamps across this right. entire park. It's like it's one of those places where it's it's a huge recreation area for uh, that particular city. And so you know, I've got basketball courts right next to it. Actually, the basketball courts have better flat ground than the skate park. And I think the city knew that because they have a sign that there's no skateboarding on the basketball court. But we stay doing that anyway. They knobbed. They knobbed the flat. If they could, they, they would. They knobbed, they knobbed the flat. <laughs> they, they 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 just have a very passive aggressive sign. But um. <laughs> You know, like, that's what you need. You need to have those those big lights so that people c- can see, number one. And, and number two, just, like, I think there's, like, there's also, like, a safety component, too. And I think this is where you get into, like, the tricky part is, um, I know for a lot of skaters, it's, like, we police ourselves, otherwise we get policed. But, you know, we've definitely all been to skate, skate parks where, you know, people roll over to wild out because there's nobody around. Yeah. It could be yeah, something as benign like as... Hang- yeah, yeah, it's just, like, it's, like, a hangout place. Yeah, and like yeah. where people can kind of just like hang out, do drugs, break stuff, you know, get into trouble, get into fights, and yeah, I mean, I I don't like to tell people what to do or whatever, no. so I'll probably never like unless they're like in the way, you know what I mean? I'd be like, dude, come on, but like if people are you know smoking or whatever, I don't, you know, who the, who the fuck do I care, you know? Yeah, it, it, and it's like it, it's I I think it's you know especially if you're like you're sending a kid to the skate park you know you're like hey be a good citizen make good choices yeah. you know <laughs> easier said than done i think it, where it gets um i guess where it gets like where it gets, if you want to talk about like get, something gets getting real tricky is like i know a lot of people have a lot of feelings about tagging or graffiti at a park and i think those are two totally separate things i don't know i i can't stand 
uh, anti-graffiti uh, coating on concrete at skate parks because it makes things oh, so Oh, that's slick. a thing? I've never even heard of that. Yeah, like a lot of parks actually have a, a coating that makes it easier to, to power wash off graffiti, but it ends up making things a little bit more slick than they need to be. yeah. And in some places, um, what is that park? Uh, what is it? Uh, the one in in Santa Cruz, Derby. So Derby Park. Yes, Derby. Somebody, I don't know. I guess like the last round of people who have been, uh, you know, tagging up uh, Derby have been uh, also using um, enamel paint, which is way slicker. Like sometimes it's dangerous, you know. Like it, what what can be yeah. really frustrating is like if you have hard wheels and you're mostly skating street and you go straight skate a park like that, you might find yourself like. You go one way, the board goes the other. You do like power sliding around something because, you know, somebody has caked on enamel paint and it gets super, super slick, especially when it's dusty, you know, when again in a record drought. But I don't know. I think those are more community conversations. You know, I have a lot of I have a lot of time for graffiti. I know that as long as, you know, honestly, like, here's the thing. Tag you tag if you want at the spot. Like, I think like the 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 fair ask is if people are going to tag a park is like don't try not to make the park into turf where beef is going to flow over cuz like yeah that's that's uh, that's more like a LA thing based on what i've heard like here here's my deal like tagging like a spot like an actual skate spot is like get the hell out you know what i mean mm-hmm. but a park i i don't mind graffiti i think it kind of adds character oh hell yeah i mean shit look whether, at the world whether, park whether whether it's good or bad if it's really bad graffiti it's just funny you know <laughs> So I think either way, kind of add up character, and like I, I am mad at it unless it makes the surface like slippier, you know. In which case, like you know, go to hell. Exactly, and you know, like again, like thinking about like um, as long as the spot doesn't become like a, a a park, excuse me, does not become a uh, a place. Honestly, like a, like a place for beef where like people yeah, are gonna yeah, get into stupid. fights, or it, it, a place where people you know will be like, oh, I'm gonna come down and just like look for you know look to start something over there. But again, like that's that's outside of that's kind of outside of the realm of uh, of skateboarding. But the thing is, like for the longest time, like Lee Smith talked about it in a couple of different interviews. That he said, like, "Hey, EMB kind of got hot when we started getting into graffiti. You would, you know, you cross out somebody's name, you know, you throw up over their piece, and the next thing you know, they're like, oh, it's them skateboard. That's one of them skateboard kids.'" Then it's like uh, graffiti guys are rolling down to EMB looking for skaters to fight. Next thing you know, yeah, that's that that's the difference I think between localizing a spot like a plaza like Embarcadero and a park like you can't really localize a park because it's like a it's a city facility. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's a municipal. It's just like it's like a playground basically. It's like a playground made out of concrete. So if there if there's like you know some kid like scootering around, you can't be like get the fuck out. You know what I mean? Cause it's like a public facility, but like skate spot, like you can kind of like localize it and kind of use, you know, that hierarchy or whatever yeah. that develops. Yeah. And, and also yeah. like, I think another, like, I think I would, I would end with this. I think that to have a really successful park, uh, a really successful skate park, you know, make it part of like uh, the city recreation, make it something where people can interact with city employees and understand that, you know, these are, this is a public facility that skateboarding is part of, uh, you know, something that's part of public rec- recreation and the public good, and that it's cool. I, I think I think that's important. You know, it doesn't have to be out there. The park shouldn't be out there in the middle of nowhere. It should be there with swimming and basketball, and that people know that. You know, like honestly, like that's like a big thing for I guess for parents to know, like, hey, this is a safe place to send my kid. I would take yeah, my yeah. kid for swim lessons, 
you know, or to play basketball, why not take him to the skate park? And I think, you know, that that's that's something that's really key. That, that's probably one of the things that's that's an ideal. It's a reach in some places, but ideally, you know, the skate park is part of that whole ecosystem. And then, hey, yep. you know, you could do a little warm up with a little three on three, and then go play, you know, play some skate. Oh hell yeah! Sure, we'd be stoked to uh, run some ball, then skate a nice straight fucking ledge. Which brings us to the final segment of our program, the part where we talk about what we're stoked on this week. Patrick, what are you stoked on this week? I am stoked on Spitfire Wheels. I am also stoked on D-Light, the summer of house. This is officially the summer of house. Um, I've been bumping a lot of D-Light and just trying to get myself into the vibe of 1990, summer of 1990, New York City. And being like, yo, we're going to the limelight and getting crazy. <laughs> the, lim- the limelight. Wait, she used to uh, she used to come by Supreme back in the day. What's her oh, name? Lady Miss Kier. Yeah. Hell I yeah. Know she goes by that name. But yeah, she used to come through there. Oh, yeah. Hell time yeah. Time time. I've, been, uh, I've been playing a lot of bass recently. I've been listening to um, a lot of house and also a lot of proto house, like uh, Italo Disco and, you know, like Paradise Garage stuff. Um, once again, do you I'm... Play, do you play the slap bass? I learned how to slap last summer. I'm not very no good shit. at it. Yeah. <laughs> Dog, it was like the second part of the pandemic. I was like, I got to have something to, to write home about. So, like, it's really, really hard. It, it, in some ways, it's like it's super painful. But, yes, I've really been enjoying playing That's bass. Tight. And um, I'm also, this is a, a, a third three-day weekend in a row for me. It's, it's 4th of July. So, I don't know. I, it, it's weird. It's not too many fireworks this year. At least hood fireworks. Oh, that'll probably change on Monday night. It's probably going to be. It's probably going to oh, be crazy. Yeah, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Yeah, and Saturday is like if it's a holiday weekend. Saturday is like the de facto. Yeah. Day, but there was like I mean? a, there was a big bust recently of a bunch of illegal fireworks. <laughs> so I can imagine that. that right. <laughs> yeah, it was like something like twelve thousand pounds of fireworks in a house, and uh, I hope they were safely disposed of because last year uh, the sheriff's department, or it may have been LAPD, accidentally detonated a shitload of fireworks in a neighborhood in uh in south la and took out like half the block like destroyed a whole wow. bunch of houses and cars it was a very steve urkel moment <laughs> should i throw to should i read mike's like what mike is stoked on uh yeah if you want i guess um in the absence of mike mike is stoked on a lot um mike is actually going to europe tomorrow with his family so he's definitely stoked on that Mike's also stoked in the Timberwolves, signing Kyle Slow-Mo Anderson, who is a good player and reminds him of the skating over 30 sessions at the park. He's also stoked on the fact that he kicked his own ass swimming a clip the other day and, you know, decided to reward himself by buying a new board today, hopefully for the trip. Oh, I guess Mike is kind of stoked that the Minnesota State Senate accidentally, his quote's not mine, voted to legalize THC edibles in the state, and that takes effect tomorrow, which is Friday. Oh, and Mike is also stoked on slappy nose slides, stabbers, and hey, he's bad at nose slides, but hey, they're finally unlocking. Jason, what are you stoked on this? Stoked on Venture Trucks out of San Francisco, California. Stoked on NBA free agency. Um, That's the time in the NBA offseason where players get traded, players that aren't under contract with a team can sign with other teams. It's basically like just a super exciting time for NBA nerds such as myself. Also stoked on the new Gang International video called With All Do out of D.C. I mean, what can you say? It's basically D.C. shit. It's the next generation of D.C. shit. So if you're in Pulaski and that shit, definitely check it out. Um, shout out to Pulaski. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Shout out to everyone uh, up at the fort. Yeah, shout out to sure. 
also, yeah, archives, welfare banks. Shout out to everybody at Crush. Yo, I feel like I, I'm hoping that DC ends up having like a Philly style renaissance because I'm just loving. I'm loving like the Instagram presence of all the DC skaters, like Pooch, oh, yeah. uh, Darren Harper, like the OGs. You know, Harper, it's Kevin. Wa- yeah, Kevin. Um, God, it's so and like to skate in those conditions. I mean, dog, mid Atlantic, mid Atlantic swamp weather is no joke. I'll tell you. Yeah. I'm right in the middle of it. Anyway, that's it for our show this week. Be sure to check mostlyskateboarding.net for links and other show notes. Till then, you can keep up with us online. Patrick, where can the people find you? You can find me on the internet. Um, you can find me on Bobby Digital's internet. Uh, first on Twitter, under the handle at Colonel K Speaks. You can also find me on Instagram under at P Kigongo. What is Mike's handle on Twitter? Uh, Twitter and Instagram again? Is it's it- M M Munzen Rider on all platforms. <laughs> How do I forget this? <laughs> Jason, where can the people find you on Bobby Digital's internet? On the Twitter at Carbonite1994, on the Instagram at FrozenCarbonite, and writing stuff for quartersnacks.com. See you all next week. There.